welcome to The Third Wheel. This is episode 8, and today we are going to be talking about chapters 15 through 21 of The Great Hunt. And joined by me were the voices of... Bjorn. And... Jesse. Um, the rest of them are present, but the voices are kind of the only relevant part at this point. So, I was, you know, I thought that this section was fine, but what I'm really interested in is what Bion thought. Because with just taking the mic a little closer to yourself, you could become the main host of this section. I thought there were no main hosts. Greatness and main hostessness comes for those who take it. Will you take it, Bion? Am I talking about how they're in the like weird shadow universe where everything's dead and the alternate universe where Trollocs have won and it's really disconcerting? Well, that, but also take the horn, Bion. Glory no. comes to those who take the horn and no. blow it. No, don't Can give I see it to it? me. I'm just a simple sheep herder. Leave me alone. I don't want this Ace Sedai plot. She's <laughs> not an Ace Sedai. Don't say that. I don't want this beautiful woman to keep telling me to do things that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Rand doesn't know how to deal with that. Perrin would know how to deal with this. I feel like we're going to be talking about Celine a lot. Yeah. Which is just like, on many levels, naming a female, a mysterious female character, Celine. Like, how many layers of mysterious woman are you gonna get because celine moon moon are lady things but Did it's you also the darkness thing was the moon yeah 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 the moon also has darkness who else has been like with the clash of light and darkness i don't know the whole lady thing <laughs> i'm interested to hear as we'll we get to talk her. about her specifically um before we start I do have something to admit to you all. I have been informed that there were in the past, in fact, small dogs that did work at the Spitz. <laughs> yeah. They looked very cute. They don't exist anymore. They're all dead. But they're all dead. <laughs> because yeah. we don't need them anymore. And so and humans are cruel. Yeah. I saw their wheels were actually like lifted up off the ground. That's more than I expected. Now... Here is, in my defense, later on in the series, spit dogs are again mentioned, but those people, like, have hands. So <laughs> They have hands! So presumably it is not dogs at that point, and I'm transposing it in reverse. I mean, because you can call people dogs, like, dogs of the king. Exactly. Like, stuff like that. But on the other well, hand, either way, you dogs. gaslighted me into thinking I was dumb, so I'll never forgive you. Well, get in line. <laughs> uh, Manipulative Ace Sedai. No, there are no male Ace Sedai. Oh. Uh, Manipulative Dark Friend, Stranger. Now that's possible. That one's possible. You know what else is possible? Is getting Starting started this podcast. With chapter 15. Kinslayer. Rand, Loyal, and Huron are still stuck in the Elseworld. 
which sounds like a pretty bad place. There's no wildlife. There's like trees and grass, but the grass sucks and the trees suck and the water everything's tastes washed bad. out. The water tastes bad. Yeah. There's no color. Uh, there's these like massive burned areas on the ground in straightish lines and there's something in the sky that they look like chemtrails. I mean, random clouds. The Dark One is listening. Don't talk about their chemtrails. <laughs> they can't know we know. Yeah. Also, chemtrails and contrails are different words. Be careful with your conspiracy theories. Holy crap. This guy still thinks that those are two different things. Can you imagine <laughs> being that dumb? <laughs> I'm an airline bootlicker. You're playing right into their hands. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, honestly, I'm envisioning this world kind of how I imagined the world of the giver would look like, where everything's gray and monotone. I love the giver. Yeah, but I, I don't know, there's just the whole everything being slightly off and dull and wrong. Mm-hmm. Except Rand knows it. Yeah, Rand can notice that, hey, this is not what a tree looks like. This is not a tree. I've seen a lot of trees in my day. In the two rivers. Yes. We had lots of trees. So the group stops to make camp. Everybody's feeling uneasy and they go to bed early. Uh, Rand takes the first watch. And then as he's walking around... Oh, could, I go ba- could I go back a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah, so like before they go, before they set up camp, Loyal does some tree singing yeah. and turns a tree into a staff, like which is pretty cool. But then it's just like Rand, the tree wanted it to be. Yeah, uh, there's a quote. Rand took a deep breath. Always something new. Always something I didn't expect. And sometimes it isn't horrible. So, so I think it's sort of nice for a character to appreciate this kind of thing in a fantasy story. So, like, if you compare something like Harry Potter, in Harry Potter, he's new to this world, and everything is so amazing, but it's all, like, good amazing. But for Rand, all the things that he didn't know about the world before the story started were all the bad stuff. So, it's sort of nice when he, like, sees something new that isn't freaking horrible. Yeah, it's like a constant nightmare existence for Rand. (laughs) Yeah, he should just hang out with Loyal more. He should enjoy it while it lasts. Is that a death flag? Uh, no, it's like an ensemble cast likes to split up and go places flag. Okay. Um, there's gotta be... We'll discuss it later. Uh, so, Rand takes the watch, but Alzaman shows up, as he does... I've known all of your names. All of your names stretching back into infinity. You know how he does this. He, like, waxes poetically about people that have been enemies so long that they become allies. Uh, He tries to tempt Rand a few times, telling him that he can be taught and that the uh, Dark One will win. Uh, He gets rejected. Reiterates again that this will be the last battle and then gives one last uh, temptation before he leaves 
while inflicting pain that uh, Rand tries to escape from by embracing Sidene. Which is tainted, right? Which is tainted. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Uh, it'll cause you to go mad. Uh, when he does so, the pain is gone, but the heron on the hilt of his sword gets branded into his palm. So now he's just got, like... Sick tattoo. Hey, free tattoo, dude. Like, nice. Something about having your protagonist have a heron branded on his palm just feels, like, patently cool. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know exactly why that resonates with me as something that's cool, but I think that sort of encapsulates to me the sort of cool factor that this story can have. It's just that kind of thing with, like, the characters. Hmm. It's like, this is fantasy. You too, the protagonist. Now this is fantasy. <laughs> oh, also there was something a bit earlier yeah. in the chapter. Uh, Rand tries to play some music um, with uh, Tom's flute. Mm-hmm. He said, even soft, the sad sound was too loud in that place. Too real. And I'm wondering if this has something to do with some people we see later that have a rule about no instruments that might have something to do with this kind of world. Ha! Huh. Maybe. So, ta- <laughs> I don't know... What cruel people would be like, no instruments. <laughs> You'll understand when you're older. Like, music is one of those universal things with culture, just like some form of alcohol and some form of fried bread. All cultures have that. Apparently not. You'll find out. There's some weird people in these books. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll think about that. <laughs> but to get there, first we have to go through... Chapter 16, In the Mirror of Darkness. Wouldn't a mirror of darkness just be darkness? Whoa. I'm just... Because it requires reflection, and if darkness is the absence of light, then there's nothing to reflect. I think it's like reflecting the dark version of... Uh, Yeah, it's not like a mirror that is literally dark. Ah... This is one of those chapter titles that feels just sort of like a throwaway chapter title. It doesn't, like, seem to actually mean anything with the chapter to me. No, sometimes that happens where it's just like, hey, here, you're reading this chapter anyway. How did Kinslayer connect with chapter 15? Because uh, I think Balsamon calls Rand Kinslayer, which is one of the names for the dragon. Okay. Yeah. Luzthar okay. and Telamon Kinslayer. That's a, that's a bad label. I mean, they don't say that, but... The next chapter is literally called Choices, which is the most generic chapter title possible. Revelations. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully your characters are making choices in every chapter. That's sort of how writing works, but... No, nothing happens. It's all uh, costume design. We'll get to choices. <laughs> First is chapter 16. Uh, so Rand was watching the whole night... Because he says he needs to think, which sounds more like he needs to never sleep again. This is fine. Uh, he gets the group moving pretty early in the morning. They eventually come across a monument to Arthur Hawkwing. Or is it? Yeah, it looks like the monument to Arthur Hawkwing. Rand and Huron get really excited and Loyal is trying to stop them from running over. But they do it anyway. Everything is... 
like a mirror, like a dark mirror version. Almost. I had to. Um, It's like the Waluigi version. Whoa. (laughs) Where's the mansion? (laughs) Insert a paragraph about Waluigi being a dark reflection here. Uh, Yeah, so it's like covered in Trolloc runes and it has crows inscribed all over it, like eating the hawk. So apparently this is a world where Trollocs won the Trolloc War like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Sucks to be anyone that wasn't a Trolloc. Huron, I skipped over it, but Huron like thought that he had seen a woman. And then they hear a woman scream in the distance and Rand charges off to go help because that's who Rand is. He goes and helps, especially women. He finds the source of the screaming a woman is standing in a stream, like, poking at this frog-bear creature with a stick. You know what I like to do? Poke at strange creatures in the wilderness. I don't think she was poking. I think she was fending. In my mind, the fending was like, light pokes. (laughs) Stay back. I am a damsel in distress. I'm warning you. I'll poke you. In one of your three eyes, which are apparently the only weak point. Some uh, Shadow of the Colossus stuff right there. Whoa. Uh, Rand shoots it in the body with an arrow, and then she yells, you have to hit it in the eye. He uses the void and kills it. Uh, The woman comes up to him. She's very appreciative. Rand (laughs) is at a loss for words to describe her beauty. She's like, all of her stuff is silver and white and black. She is, like, beyond anyone he has ever seen. And because he's wearing lordly clothes, she mistakes him for a lord. Lord. He also acts like one to her. Like, she... When she says stuff to him about being a lord, he doesn't refute her. He just sends it right back. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but she her dress is divided for riding, so you know she means business. You know, I read that. I decided not to include it, but <laughs> thank you for doing so. I mean, it's important because side saddle is a nonsense. You're just going to hurt yourself riding side saddle. You got to you got to sit on the horse. So, I feel like we're going to talk about Celine a lot, but it's sort of hard for me to figure out how to talk about her. Because if I take all of her scenes as serious that we're supposed to, like, not really know what's up with her, it sucks. But if I'm trying to think about all of her scenes as intentional comedy, it actually works for me. But I honestly don't know what he's going for. Well, it's like, let's start with this. Beyond what's your read on Celine? Because that'll help us. She's so not suspicious. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. She's perfect. Do you have any idea of... I, what her like, deal might be. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to lead you, but... Like, Jesse and I know, so it's tough for us to talk without you telling us what we can talk about. She's the lady in white, yeah? I mean, she is wearing white, yes. I mean, I feel like they they you mean like the one their... that Uno saw. Yeah, yeah. There's like sticks to their color codes here in this world. Yes. So she's the mysterious white lady. Um, well, who... they didn't mention race. 
mysterious wearing white clothing implying purity with a name like the moon which is clearly a lady did you know she's a pure lady nothing is suspicious here yeah so when i first read this i honestly wasn't sure if robert jordan was trying to like have a mystery about her or if you're just supposed to like acknowledge how shady she is and just think it's hilarious how much rand is like falling for her stuff but i also don't know if she's like casting a spell on rand or if he's just really stupid i think it's he's just really stupid (laughs) i might answer that question later uh check back a book and a half from now and i'll let you know my thoughts so if we're if I'm going with the idea that it's intentional that Robert Jordan thinks that the reader as they're reading this isn't trusting Celine at all, I can treat it as comedy and I can work with it. Let's like, do that then. Yeah, like from her perspective, I think most of these scenes are comedic until like except for the ones where Rand is specifically rejecting the horn. I think to her most of this is like, Aw Look at this baby. Look at this little baby. Also, when they meet her, Loyal says, I've never thought of it before, but if there is such a thing as perfect human beauty in face and form, then you. And then Rand cuts him off, saying he's being rude. It's like Loyal, why? <laughs> My dude. Yeah, I love how expressive Loyal's ears are. Please be excited to not see it in the show because he gets cut. Don't say that. Wait, he doesn't exist in the show? Oh, we don't know. We're just... I'm tempting fate. I would riot if he wasn't in the show. Get your pitchforks. Well, I mean, is he pretty much significant for this book? Does he continue in the ensemble later? He continues to be significant throughout the entire series. But I could also see him getting cut. I mean, it is entirely possible, because, like, completely different story, but My Sister's Keeper, the book, is very different than the movie, because they completely cut out one character, because it was told in, like, multiple points of view, they completely cut out one of the people's point of views. But at the same time, I mean, that's a movie. You got, like, And, and that book minutes. is, like, 400 pages long. Yeah. It's not like... I mean, this is, like, you have at least 10 hours per season for every book and a half to two books, it sounds like. And for a lot of paragraphs... We're getting off topic. Well, yeah, sorry. Um, I honestly don't know if I'll watch it, because Amazon makes me extremely uncomfortable. Oh, I'm going to make you watch it. Uh, Think about the content we can make. Are we going to make a podcast about the movie? That's free hashtag content. It's not free? We'll discuss it later. I mean, Amazon is extremely problematic. If we still have the chance to... I don't know... Like, this section is so different to discuss, not knowing... I'm, like, debating whether to tell Bion who Selene is. Because, like, I mean, she has no more scenes. She has, like, one more scene before you find out who she is. Bion, you you tell us. She's the, um, clearly not sketchy, uh, doesn't respect women lady. No. No, I mean, um... Because Rand has seen her. I'm saying you tell us whether you want us to spoil it. Oh, I'm fine with spoilers. Okay. Selene is Lanfear. One of the Forsaken. 
one of the Forsaken. Yeah, she's just pretending to be not. And Lanfear is the one that is mentioned in the prophecies. Isn't yeah. she super old then? No, because... She just got out of Sheol Ghoul. She just got out. Um, so she's been frozen in time? Lanfear is free, seeking Rand. So that's a fascinating question. I guess we'll find out, but now you know. I'm only sort of okay with spoiling that, because technically there's already sort of enough information to put it together. If, like, you're the type of person that was, like, taking incredible notes. Yeah, like, I bet if you read who Selene was, or... If you read this section and then I said, like, if you sat down and parsed, like, okay, well, Celine was in this world. She's clearly, like, talking to Rand, seeking Rand. And then you went back through everything that you already knew. Like, if I told you it was information that you could figure out and you sat there and did it, you could figure it out. I'm not, like, providing you with new information. I think I blended the two in my head what's the name of the i don't respect women i only respect leandrin okay yeah i definitely combined leandrin and landry in my head as the same people sure hope you don't continue to combine women who can wield the power with other women who share the same first letter of their name because you're gonna have a bad time (laughs) there's like a hundred named Aes Sedai. reminder that there are 2500 named characters in this series uh i'm gonna have a hard time y'all that's okay. There's going to be a lot of more strange names, like, that doesn't respect women, but respects darkness, because that's honestly <laughs> easier for me to remember than... Le- Leandrin. Leandrin. Le- Leandrin. Uh, yeah. Not to be confused with Leanne. Yes. Uh... So yeah, essentially the bullet point is that Selene is Lanfear, who was the lover of the Dragon Reborn... Or not the dragon reborn, the dragon. Yeah. Before his wife. So she doesn't like his wife. Oh, so she was like the mistress. Yeah. So in the first, in the prologue, remember, Luce Theron Telamon has Ilyena, Mm -hmm. who is his wife. Mm -hmm. Him and Lanfear were together before he met Ilyena. Mm. and Lanfear like never got over the breakup did not take it well no she uh turned and started serving satan <laughs> i mean she really didn't take it shouldn't well. have broken up with me i mean this is look what you made me do <laughs> i think we mentioned sometime earlier in this series talking about something about being the worst breakup of all time i think we might have to keep track of what we think the worst breakup of all time in this series might be, and that's not fair. I, yeah, I don't, I can't think of any that causes, like, a more than 3,000 year grudge and a turning from the light to the shadow. Is the biggest <laughs> evil the heteros and their inability to communicate? Uh, until, like, the last book, yeah, pretty much. Uh, sure hope you like uh. it. This is what happens when your world is based in men and women are intrinsically different. But there's also some commentary on monogamy later. So maybe Lanfear would have been served better later. In monogamy or non-monogamy? Non-monogamy. Because then she could have had loose Theron still. Yeah. And not be broken up with. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be careful with it and continue to communicate properly but there's nothing wrong with non-monogamy good to know 
Uh, so, where were we? We were talking about Celine and how she is not good. Yeah. Some might say evil. She really wants Rand to become a great man and sound the horn of Valir. And she wants to manipulate him into being with her, it sounds like. Because you're the soul of my dead lover? Is, is that Essentially. why? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Like, she says something at one point where it's like, you are always so stubborn. So she sort of treats Rand as an extension of Luz Theron. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I think we've landed on she's supposed to. Yeah. So keep in mind, hey, this is a May-December romance, okay? <laughs> I figured it out, guys. 3,000-year age gap. I, I swear, officer, she's 3,000 years old. She just looks like she's in her 20s. So yeah, Rand asks her if she's an Aes Sedai. And she loses her mind. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, what she says is, uh, they cower in what they think is safety when they could do so much. They serve when they could rule. Let men fight wars when they could bring order to the world. No, never call me Aes Sedai. So that sort of indicates why, she, like, her philosophy on serving the Dark One rather than... But she's serving a man still who's fighting a war. Who, the Dark One? Yeah, right? The Dark One is sort of a being. Cosmic. Like a cosmic. The Dark One exists outside of reality. He, like, I say he, like, it just is. It is the concept of evil. They call the Dark One he because they don't... When Balsamon appears to you, Balsamon is male. Mm, my gender is flames in my eyeballs, thanks you. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Um, I, I think I'm... I mean, Tyler just saw my face make a bunch of expressions. It's going to be a little hard for me to comprehend the Dark One and how it relates into things. But, um... We'll not worry about it. Okay. No. Yeah, so... Celine gets upset about the Aes Sedai thing. She mentions that she got to this... She's not native to this world. She got there by falling asleep near a stone and waking up with her horse nearby in this world. Rand has her join them. He says, we're gonna get the horn and then we'll take you back to uh, Kyrian. Rand is, like, tough oh. to read. <laughs> I missed the bit where Huron just totally spills the beans to her about their entire journey. Yes. Yeah, Huron is, he like chimes in from off screen. Oh, by the way, we're on a secret mission. She asks like, who are you following? And he says, dark friends and Trollocs, my lady. Huron bursts out. Uh, just real excited to talk yeah, to a lady. Yeah. They did murder in Faldara Keep and stole the Horn of Valir, my lady. <laughs> but Lord Rand will fetch it back. And I had in my notes that Huron is trying to take the biggest idiot in the world championship title from Matt. He's doing his best. He's... Yeah. Listen, you gotta train hard. <laughs> so that's how she knows they're looking for the Horn of Valir, which I don't necessarily know if she would have known before, but... Um, Jesse, it doesn't mention Rand having any goosebumps during this exchange, does it? Not that I remember. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out if Huron is, like, naturally this dumb, or... <laughs> That that's like Tavaran dumbness. No, if it's 
if it's Celine like compelling him to be dumb. Because that does happen later. Worth noting. So we took this chapter pretty wildly out of order. Yeah. Uh, a couple last things. Celine knows some stuff about this world that even Loyal doesn't know, which she read about in a book that I don't think Loyal has ever heard of. And Loyal's kind of old. Not like 3,000 years old, but he's kind of old. He's like 90. Yeah. yeah. He's reading all the time. Um, he's read a lot of books. Um, but she says that... This world seems pale because it's a weak reflection, a world that had little chance of ever being, which I think is just plain cool. Are there universes stronger than other universes? Apparently Well, there is a definitive main universe, apparently, according to, like, the portal stone, so things are sort of evaluated based on their, like, distance from the main universe. Okay, but people are living in their own alternate universes and not necessarily in a barren wasteland of shadowy darkness. It could just be like, in this one, so-and-so didn't do this, and now this. This world is only a wasteland because A, it's a world where the Trollocs won the Trolloc Wars, and B, because it's highly distant from reality. So they wouldn't all necessarily be like wastelands loyal i think mentions that there are some where you could meet yourself but i don't know if they are like always running or if they're just sort of like instanced and only happen when someone uses a portal stone to them yeah i was just wondering is this sort of worm situation where there's a bunch of possibilities that we open the things to or is it weird fan fiction which means anything as much as i want it and i'm not going to explain it to you I think the fact that there is a definitive main universe sort of solves a lot of that. Okay. Uh, But the reason why any universe would be the main universe is, like, too much for him to explain. So I'll just roll with it, pretty much. It's magic. Don't think about it. But it's not evil magic, it's just magic. Yeah. Untainted. Pure writer magic pure <laughs> writer magic i it, like that it, it felt like Rand's thing was i'm gonna resist this i'm not gonna channel that's what the ace i want me to do that's what everybody wants me to do and then in this chapter he just channels multiple times he doesn't channel in this chapter oh okay sorry in this he chunk, just goes into the void this 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 chunk of existence well yeah uh spoilers Rand channels throughout the series yeah, I know. I know what's going to happen. It's just interesting because, once again, he was like... Well, he keeps being forced into the situation. Like, the only time that he isn't, quote-unquote, forced, he's, like, coerced by... He's coerced by a statue. It's like, the statue. I got it. So shapely. Yeah. That orb is so circular. <laughs> All right, so, chapter 17. Uh, Hold on. Chapter 16 finishes with Rand... Uh, and Celine talking, and Celine's like, hey, Portal Stone is right over there, take me back. And Rand says no, and then they're attacked by the Grom again. And she's like, now you'll learn, you should do what I say. Yeah. Um, Rand dismounts and kills all five of them with five arrows, which is, like, it's pretty sick. I think he mentions that, like, as the fourth one is about to hit, he puts the bow down, and he doesn't even need to look at the fifth to know that it's going to hit. Yeah, he does some Fist of the North Star stuff in this bit. Yeah. 
Rand with the void is really cool. I would I would call that distinct from the kind of cool I was talking about before. Like, or maybe it is the same type. It's like edgy cool, but... I feel like shooting a bunch of arrows at things and then turning around because you don't need to see them to know that you've already hit is, like, kind of edgy. It feels very anime. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, also having herons burned into your palm is kind of edgy, but it works for me better for some reason. Maybe it's just, like, the level of, like, stuff I've seen before or not. (laughs) Rand is edgy is the takeaway. Oh, Rand is definitely edgy. I mean, he has a katana. He has (laughs) a katana. So, Selene is upset that Rand has killed the Grom because she wants to go to the Portal Stone and Rand... Rand is like, no, we're gonna keep going. More Groms show up, and Rand mentions as they are now running away because he doesn't have enough arrows that they are almost like laid out to push them towards the portal stone and hmm. nowhere else. Thinking emoji. Celine tells Rand which symbol to focus on. He uses the void and embraces the light within. The world flickers around them. Until they're back in normal reality. And as soon as they're back, Huron dances a jig. He's a bit of a cartoon character. <laughs> Gotta lighten it up a little. Yeah. It'll da, limber da, up da, now da, that da, you're back da. in reality. So he didn't need to go to the magical portal stone. He just used the power of... No, he did, like you have to use the power on the portal stone. Ah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Selene... So now that they are back, Selene says... That it's more likely that the world that they were in had the scent of where the Dark Friends were going to be. Which means that they can just wait and find them when they arrive. Um, Handy. Yeah. Rand decides that they're going to wait one night and then they'll get back on the trail. Please see chapter 19. (laughs) But first, chapter 18, to the White Tower. Once again... On paper, this is an Egwene chapter, but for me, this is a Nanave chapter. Any chapter that Nanave shows up is a Nanave chapter, because, yes. It's Uh, interesting, because she feels really young, but then she still technically is older, because she did have a place of responsibility. But again, she she acts... Reminder that Oh, she's a brat. Yeah. She is a total brat, but I love it. Reminder that she's, like, our age. Or, like, a year or two older. And Egwene's, like... A freshman 16. or sophomore. She's <laughs> okay. like 16, maybe 17, okay. depending on birthdays. So we're dealing with the sophomore and then probably like some senior dudes. Se- senior high school bros. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So what's going on in this chapter, Tyler? Uh, Nave is angry, but then she makes herself not be angry. Yeah, she's upset. Oh, she's still angry. <laughs> she Well, she starts off just being upset about how seasick she is. Yeah, she says, I'll never step on a boat again, so I'm wondering if that's why it takes her 60 pages to do it in The Dragon Reborn. Yeah, she is, like, on a boat for the rest of the series. She is never off of a boat. She's like, um, she's like Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like, they have to bring her in a bucket of water. She cannot step on dry land from this point forward. That's awful. Um... I don't consider it a spoiler to say that Nanave gets on a boat in book four. No, she is like... It takes it takes 60 pages to do so, and it almost made me stop reading. No, she is like constantly on boats for the rest of the series. <laughs> and she hates it. Is she a cat? 
No, I don't think so. I don't know. Just, I don't, it's, it's a weird, it's weird. I have mixed feelings about her. Not in a bad way. She's just, it's just a weird. Please continue. The nave is very good. Do not slander. I'm not slandering. It's just, it sounds like slander. She's just real bratty. She's just real, she real gets very, bratty. She gets much better. She is a huge brat. She is. She starts out it's as It's funny. Well. <laughs> anyway, the events of the chapter. Uh, neither Before either of them can leave the room, because Egwene starts out, she goes down to see Nanave, and then I think one or both of them are on their way out. And the Amerlin shows up Ta-da. to give them a lesson. Lesson is on uses of the power. Uh, Nanave mentions wishing that she could use a sword on someone and Egwene thinks that it's unclear whether she means the Amerlin or Moraine or Lan. Uh, all of the above. All of the above. Nanave will fight everyone. Stick them in a line and just go across. And when the Amerlin starts talking about teaching them the power, Nanave says, if I must learn all this, I would as soon learn something useful. All this, make the air stir, Nanave. Light the candle, Nanave. Now put it out. Light it again. Puh! And then Egwene, like, shuts her eyes in disbelief and trying to wish that that didn't happen. Why are you like this? Maybe I can use a portal stone to go to reality where you didn't just say that. (laughs) Yeah, Egwene is us. Yeah. It's just so disrespectful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the knave is used to being the respected one. Ah. Like, she was top dog. Yeah, and so now it's culture shock. Yeah, Egwene is, like, mortified by how rude Nanave is. Mm. Uh, so the Amerlin, like, holds them both in place, summons a sword from the air, and then turns it into a knife and is like, you know, you could use the power for doing this, or you could just cut it. Or if somebody was going to attack you instead of making a sword to fight them, you could just use the power to stop them by holding them in place and letting your warder do it, um, which... Because you're not technically allowed to hurt people with the power if you're an Aes Sedai, but you can hold them in place and let your bodyguard hurt them. Please keep in mind until sometime in Book 5 that the Amerlin is saying it is a poor use of the power to turn it into a sword and fight with that sword. Don't know if it's going to come up at all for anyone, Hmm. but it's worth keeping in mind that that is, like, explicitly called out as a bad idea, because it's useless. Anyway. Yeah, so while Nanave is being held in place, she gets so mad that she force pushes the Amarlin into a wall. Yeah. And then Egwene stared, her mouth dry. This isn't happening. (laughs) What have you done to my teacher? (laughs) She's like, why are you like this? I just want to learn. <laughs> the knave acts... I don't know. I feel like after the Amarlin leaves, the knave acts... Oh, there's also a bit where uh, the Amarlin cuts off the knave's access to the power, mm-hmm. which is important. It's kind of a huge download of information. That's true. I guess I didn't even... Like, register that, because that's one of those things in my mind that I already know. That's but, short-term stilling, yes? 
not no because you have to like actively interpose the shield and then yeah you have to like maintain it it's not like something you do and then leave it alone yeah you can like quote-unquote tie off the weave so it stays but weaves that you tie off don't stay forever okay Um, so it has the same effect as stilling but it's not like as serious yeah you can't like set a timer on it it's just while this person is holding the shield you do not have the power yeah, it's not permanent. Okay. Like, if you killed the person who was shielding you from the power, you would have it again. Yeah. But that wouldn't be the case if you got stilled. Or I think they mention, yeah, and it's, like, tougher to do it to somebody that's holding the power, which, yeah. There's a bunch of rules about shielding people and how you can and can't do it. Drop your shield. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't do anything to you physically. Okay. Worth noting. Okay. There is a funny part in here uh, after the Amerlin releases Nanave, or yeah, I think she releases Nanave from the air, um, or she releases the shield or something, and then Egwene is still held, and she's like, uh, mother, <laughs> and the Amerlin's like, oh, right, I forgot. Ma'am. It's, just, it's just a funny little beat. So she teaches them for a while, uh, she leaves, and then Nanave has like a mildly mature moment where she's really mad and Egwene is trying to not do anything to make her more angry and the knave is like no don't worry it's not you you're fine which is like hey character so they arrive at Tarvalin it is a wondrous city it's full of grand buildings you can see the tower um, from anywhere you can see dragon mount from anywhere um, this like constantly smoking volcano uh, where Luz Theron Telamon died and also created the island that Tarvalin sits on the girls get off the boat and they head to the tower um, and they are intercepted by Sherium the mistress of novices who intimidates Nanave by saying like uh I'm still allowed to spank you. Yeah. The first part of being an accepted is worse because we need to make sure that somebody didn't slip through the cracks. And then they get led off to where they'll be staying. Uh, Just kind of a little interlude so that we don't have, I don't know, like eight chapters straight of Rand. Thank goodness. Just a question regarding Tarvalon. One, imagining it, I was thinking a bit of Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz. as It's just with the whole magical tower thing and different things in the skyline. I I was just getting a great and powerful Oz sort of imaginary thing. And then in regards to the education slash handling of novices and the A-level whatevers. Accepted accepted what color of the seven rainbow thing manages the education or is it all sisters okay um i think they mentioned that the amerlin usually chooses the keeper is political kind of vice president-esque but often from the same excuse me from the same aja and i don't remember if they mentioned there being like a tradition for the mistress of novices I think the way that it works is kind of like a university where not that the Aes Sedai are like employed by the White Tower, but it's kind of one of those where like, hey, if you want to live here, 
you might be called upon to teach. I don't know. I've never had a professor threaten to spank me. No comment. They're not allowed to anymore. That's more of a high school thing. College was for educated rich people, so there wouldn't have been the threat of spanking. But public education through high school totally used to be a valid thing. I think the reason that I think that is because they mentioned that some of the Aesidae, like, do research or do work for the structure of the Ajas without necessarily teaching and then they mention that some of them teach but are like coerced into teaching um, and so i guess i just kind of assumed that that was how it worked was like you're either research or employment or you teach i'm just imagining color-coded professors now like what track are you, you on probably get weird lessons about some subjects from different colors of professors <laughs> oh i can't believe we had to do that with a white one yeah it at the same time, they probably, like, only do history with browns and, like, politics with whites. I think it's whites. Is it grays? I can never is remember. Is Yeah. One of them is logic and one of them is mediation. And I can never remember which is which. I think whites might be logic and grays are mediation. Because gray is an in-between. It's not black and white. Well, there is no black Aja. There is no black Aja. <laughs> There is no Black Aja in Tarvalon. There is no war in Ba Sing Se. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, chapter 19. Beneath the dagger. So, reminder that Rand said we're going to stay for one day. Rand's group has been camped there for multiple days. Rand! (laughs) They don't mention how long, just that it has been multiple days. I, like, specifically looked to see if I could find an exact count. I have some notes of Celine being highly suspicious in this chapter. Please do, as I go. Um, or I have, now. I think this is right at the beginning. But she said, she literally says, Think of the glory, Rand. Her hand touched his back, and he almost shamed himself with a squeak. Rand is so pure. She touched me. <laughs> it's like, ah! And then when he says Please don't that, make that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind then, of podcast. And then when he says that he's gonna get or just let wait for Ingtar to come and point the way, she says, So, you'll let this Ingtar take the horn of Valir and the glory. It's like really not suspicious at all. Ma'am, I do not want this glory today. She's laying it on kinda thick. And it's pretty explicit that you're not supposed to sound the horn for glory. Yeah, that's like the one rule. Rule number one, don't sound it for glory. Rule number two, seriously. The no bar. Yeah. It's good that Rand is doing this as opposed to Matt. Yeah. yeah. Well, Matt's a... Matt's actually a woolhead. <laughs> I mean, Rand is too. Yeah. Yeah, if Matt sounded the horn, I mean, that would just be a nightmare. Um... They both only have one brain cell, but Rand took Matt. Mom says it's my turn with the brain cell. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the lie? Uh, So Rand... Rand can't sleep. He is not on watch. That's Huron. But he's just, like, lying, facing a wall. He turns over and sees Selene going through his saddlebags. Uh, He... 
stops her and is like, hey, do you need something? And she says, oh, well, I just, my dress, I was just going to change into something else and clean the dress. And I was hoping that you had something I could wear. And she changes into one of his shirts, which later mysteriously changes shape to fit her better. Are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Yeah. I wonder if she's trying to seduce Rand. (laughs) It's working. Huron comes back to the camp while Celine is like one inch away from Rand wearing just his shirt. And it's like, hey, so there's something going on. Oh. But that wakes up Loyal, and Loyal's like, hey, is there something go... Oh. Uh, Huron is mentioned to, like, just be staring at the ground for the rest of this scene, which is really good. Because uh, that's a lord and lady. You don't look at that. Yeah. That's not his place. No. He's some Radagast the brown-looking sniffer. He doesn't... Oh, there was an interesting moment that we kind of passed with Huron. Mm-hmm. Uh, when back when they were in the Elves world, okay. like before they even met Celine, mm-hmm. like Rand is deciding on like their course, oh, and he yeah. sort of ex- he sort of like explains what they're going to do, and Huron is very weirded out, and Rand realizes that's because lords don't explain things to people that aren't lords, mm-hmm. and we're gonna see if he holds. Uh, to the lordliness later. Why is this person respecting me as if I'm a human being? <laughs> Huron's like, disrespect me, please. <laughs> Don't say it, Via. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this whole conversation happens. Huron is like, hey, the dark friends are here. I see their fire. They weren't hiding from us. It's decided that Rand and Loyal are going to go down and scout and leave Huron to guard Selene. Yeah, Rand says he intended to look, not fight. Yeah. That's a lol. (laughs) Rand has a really creative definition of the word scout. So they creep in, they find everyone asleep, including the Trollocs that are on guard duty. The chest containing the horn is sitting in the middle of the camp with the dagger laying on top of it. How coincidental. How nice for them. Yeah. Is this Tavarin? Is this Tavarin? <laughs> uh, so Rand, like, scoots over, grabs the dagger, and then- Oh, this whole- also worth noting is that this whole time he's in the void. Yes. Yeah, that's true. He's, like, in the void for the entirety of- until he gets back. Is the void traveling through the alternate- No, the void is, like, a state of mental being. Okay. It's the thing where, like, he has no emotion or thoughts that aren't relevant to his goal. He, like, pushes everything out, and so he can experience that those thoughts and feelings exist, but they don't touch him. He's the really enlightened brain meme. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The other thing is that the void is basically what the uh, girls do. Mm-hmm. To use yeah, with the, the flower. Source. Yeah. Okay. The flower is just their way of mentally creating the void, and then they immediately step into the power. Rand is like staying in the void and seeing that the power is there, but not touching it. Because his access to the power is covered in greasy gross. Well, yeah. The whole power is, tu- is covered in greasy gross. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so him being in the void is important for A, he acts kind of funky in this chapter. Funky fresh. B, 
<laughs> when he's in the void, Fane can't, like, sense him. Is that the case? I think they said that in Fane's chapter in the last section. Let me go I back am not reading closely enough. Well, it's just because otherwise wouldn't being going through the camp wake up uh, Mr. Warped by the Dark? Well, he has a moment where he, like, starts to thrash around in his sleep and almost wakes up. I think he can sense that Rand is near, but, well, no, because he can point at Rand at any point in time, the closer, if he's close enough. Yeah. So, like, he should have known right where that he was. So, lying there in his, this is from Fane's chapter, lying there in his blankets, he stared northward. He could not feel Althor now. The distance between them was too great. Or perhaps Althor was doing his vanishing trick. Okay. So, he talk, he says that sometimes Rand, like, vanishes from his sense. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's whenever Rand is in the void. Are you sure that that's not when they're in the Elseworld? Well, no. He says that that's something that regularly happens. Okay. Then, yeah, that seems fine. I don't know why that would work, but I'll believe you. I mean, that... Yeah, that's fine. Convenient plot point. It's convenient, but it... I mean, if you wanted to say, like, that Rand disconnects from his soul in that moment, and so he's just his mind or some, like, weird interpretation, then it's fine. Yeah. Also, later in this chapter... Um, Fane says, I know it's you, Althor, you're hiding from me, but I know you're out there. I think he's referring to Rand being in the void. Yeah, it's, I'll believe you, that's fine. Uh, so So him being in the void in this chapter is important. Yeah, Rand is in the void for this whole, this is a sneaking mission. (laughs) Just Uh, had the Mission Impossible theme song going through this chapter. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, I, I had some legitimate tension reading this first bit when they're supposed to have tension. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's good to know that the tension worked. I've had tension when the book wanted me to have tension. Hey, there are times when books want me to have tension and I don't have tension, so... That's fair. So Rand grabs the dagger, he pulls Loyal over, and has Loyal just pick up the chest. Uh, Big strong. Yeah, Loyal just grabs it, and then, like, no sound or strain or anything, just he's holding it and stands up, uh, which I thought was cool, that he's, like, that much stronger. Because they mentioned that this chest is, like, a two-person thing at best. So they sneak out of the camp, and they—my interpretation was they, like, hit the line where the sentries were before Fane wakes up, and so— the sneaking mission becomes an escape, which becomes an escort quest, because now Rand is escorting Loyal with the box out. He is still in the void. He is barely resisting using Sidene to just, like, burn everyone here out of existence. He mentions that he could just kill them all with it instantly. Instead, he does some sword fighting. And here we, here we go. Cat <laughs> dances on the wall. Kills the first Trolloc. The courtier taps his fan for the next. Lizard in the thorn bush takes a pair that arrives. And then another group shows up, which he uses. Hummingbird kisses the honey rose into cat on hot sand, finishing with the heron spreads its wings. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) It's so bad. Ninja art. Art of the ninja. Swords. My Kekai Genkai. When you put them all back to back, it sounds a lot worse. 
it's still bad in the first place. I don't know what writing action this way is supposed to accomplish. I mean, so I actually did read a cool thing, which is like somebody mentioned that when you are reading these, like instead of Jordan describing the fight by him saying the courtier taps his fan, like if you imagine the motion of a courtier tapping their fan and then you imagine somebody doing a move that would be named after that motion, then like it's actually kind of cool to imagine the fights. Some of them are tougher, like Lizard in the Thorn Bush. Yeah, there's no motion involved there. No, but some of them, like Hummingbird Kisses the Honey Rose, you can like imagine what a hummingbird coming down and just touching a flower for a second looks like and then translate that into a sword move. I guess. I think I just prefer actual sword moves, like, and then he slashed, and then he parried, and then he did this. Yeah, I mean, I don't love those either. It's just this is almost, like, comical. I think it gets even better when it's two people fighting, and so you straight up have the, like, Princess Bride... Um, I don't remember if I already called this out, but the princess bride fight when they're like talking about using different techniques against each other (laughs) and how one counters the other, but not if you've trained in this other art. And so like when the blade masters start going against each other later on in the series and it's like this move flows into this move flows into this move is countered by this move. It's like, it's so bad. Yeah. Also beyond just like the sword form stuff, this part, on my first read is just like hard to reconcile. I remember on my first read, I had like my jaw hanging open the entire time. I think part of this is to show that like Rand, this is all building up to Rand secretly being good at the sword because like he is being trained for three weeks in between the two books by a blade master. But I mean, last time he tried to sword fight, a Trolloc, he lost, and he hasn't received any training. But he then. wasn't in the void, and so that's the True, thing. True, yeah. And that's, so that I comes... Get, I, get, I get that that's the thing. It's just that he's such a doofus, but like, well, like, the scene tries to write him as like a total badass. We will talk about this more at the end of the book. I don't know if you remember, but there is a scene about him fighting in the void versus not. Uh, but uh-huh. like, I think that this buildup is fine, showing us he loses constantly against Lan. Lan is also like one of the best blade masters in the world, if not the best. And like, yeah, he loses to Trollocs. He loses to a single Trolloc when he is not in the void. But when he is, he he kills like eight Trollocs in this with no no effort. So like, yeah, I think that's what they're showing us is that Rand when he can let himself go, he's really good at it. He just yeah. needs to not think. I just I just remember being absolutely shook reading this section the first time I read it. Well, I think it kind of shooks Rand, too. Uh, how, did, how did you feel about this action scene, Bjorn? At first, I was, is he ethnically a magical sword person? But then I thought that Ace, the, the, the Aiel aren't sword users no they won't touch swords yeah so i was then just wondering where is this power coming from is it just the void itself and his ability to tap into the power i mean with the power of the void he like 
shot a bunch of eye-sized targets on charging monsters from, like, 300 feet away. Or 200 feet away, like, multiple times, never missing. This is your brain on the power. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe the Void is sort of like a perfect bodily control type of deal. Yeah, maybe it's like a path to victory. The power has now taken over you. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it seemed a bit sudden, because even if you were <laughs> trained for three weeks, that's that's a lot to take on. We will talk more about Rand fighting in the Void versus not in the Void later on in this book, in what I think is a really cool scene. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. This made me laugh. Okay. Uh, so Rand thinks about going back to the camp and killing everyone. Uh, I don't remember if he mentions using Sidene to do it or if he's just going to use this sword on all of them. Uh, but Loyal convinces him that they need to go. So Rand releases Sidene, or uh, I'm sorry, he releases the Void, and then he can't feel Sidene, like, singing to him, trying to draw him in. Uh, but he lets the Void go, and he says, I think I am going mad. And then looks around and notices that he and Loyal are back at the horses. Loyal, like, has the chest up on the horse. There's dead Trollocs on the path back. And he has no idea how he got there. And then Loyal says, Sometimes I do not understand half of what you say. If you must go mad, could it at least wait until we're back with the Lady Selene and Huron? <laughs> Which I just thought was great. Because, like, there are moments throughout this whole section where somebody will say the word mad and Rand, like, physically flinches. They're but talking about me. Yeah. I just thought, are they talking about me? I'm not going mad. Uh, I just thought it was a great little moment where Loyal is like, go crazy later. I'd like to live. So they get back. They argue with Celine for a minute on, I've written down a number of topics, but I don't remember. Yeah, as the minute they get back. Celine says, I knew you would make the right choice. May I have a look at it? Let me like touch the it. the second they get back. Touch the horn, look at the horn, take the horn out, blow the horn, do it, do it, do it. See it in the light. Yeah. Achieve greatness forever. Think of the glory. Yeah. Uh, they eventually agree to leave for Kyrian immediately. Oh, yeah, and they put the dagger in the box with the horn. Yeah, dagger goes in the box. And she's unhappy about that. Yeah, she's like, throw the dagger away. Nobody cares. And Rand's, Rand's like, like, this is why I'm here. <laughs> On my first read, I was concerned about something like the dagger corrupting the horn or something. Mm. I, I remember that specifically. Yeah, I was wondering that too, because it's bad. But the dagger, here's the thing for me, is that I think if the dagger was like an artifact of the Dark One, it might be a concern, but because the Dark One and uh, Shatter Logoth are, like, explicitly different flavors of evil, I think that it's fine. Like, I think that the dagger works better on things that are alive because Shatter Logoth's evil is specifically, like, human a human-on-human human evil, like the darkness that lurks in people's hearts. Versus the Dark One being this, like... Cosmic the, evil. Yeah, the concept of bad things. Also, 
comedically, it doesn't have a mouth, so it's not going to blow the horn, so we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking of that right now. After you were explaining it's not a big deal, I was like, well, I mean, it doesn't have a mouth either, so it's not going to blow the horn, I think. Boy. Okay. (laughs) I like that image. (laughs) They hear something from in the box. They're like, oh no. The heroes of the, the horn. heroes of the past. <laughs> they come back to serve the dagger. <laughs> They're doing like the cool uh, end of Civil War, like Captain America, uh, Bucky Barnes, like passing the shield back and forth. But it's just the dagger between all of the heroes. Oh, God. If only. If only Robert Jordan wasn't a hack, we might have gotten <laughs> something fun. So anyway, uh, we cut briefly to Pat and Fane, who... Can still track Althor. He's like shaking his fist at the sky. Althor. Uh, he screams into the night that he isn't a dog any longer, and that the world will pay for what it has done to him. But why is Rand the target of all the evils that have been done to Fane? Uh, because Rand is the one that was supposed to be tracked by Fane. Mm-hmm. Like more so, or all of them were supposed to be tracked. But now that they know that Rand is the one. Mm-hmm. Like, Rand is the target. Fane is misascribing the issue okay. because he's crazy. Because even if he did manage to eliminate Rand, the issues would still exist, yes? I'm just going to say coughs and Gowen. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Coughs in concussion. Uh, All right. Chapter 20, Sidene. Tainted dude magic. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Selene is a brat in this chapter. Yeah, they're riding the next day. Selene asks to see Rand holding the horn in the light of day. (laughs) And he refuses. And she, like, touches him on the arm, which makes his skin tingle. And it convinces him to pull out the horn. Mmm, she touched me. As they continue to go on, Rand makes Selene unhappy. I've written ellipse somehow. I don't know if that's because I didn't notice or because I didn't care. Well, I think I don't think he does take out the horn this time. I think that's what makes her unhappy. You're totally right. Yeah. I, in my defense, I was writing these notes at like 2 a.m. Tyler doesn't know how to sleep. Yeah. Also, at one point, Rand is thinking he wished he knew more of the prophecies of the dragon. The one time he heard a merchant's guard tell, telling a part of it back in Eamon's field, Nanave had broken a broom across the man's shoulders. Jesus. <laughs> Nanave. So Nanave's the undertaker. Nanave, like, killed a dude. <laughs> Hell in the cell. Nanave sent that dude 20 feet off. off. Hell in the cell into a steel table. She get things done. By God, that man had a family. <laughs> that just stood out to me. Uh, yeah, for the record, I actually have in my notes the phrase I was honestly glazing over at this conversation, in case you were wondering why I didn't know that. Uh, so eventually they are within sight of a village, and off in the distance, Rand sees a massive stone hand holding a 40-foot diameter crystal ball and then a giant stone face behind it, both being uh, excavated. He's excavated as in they're removing this from yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah and they're this... both buried. Yeah, it was buried beneath, like, a hill. Yeah. Ah. 
So Rand brings the horse closer and he's looking at the crystal ball and he just starts to like drift into holding Sidene and it's like filling him up. It's enough power. It's more power than he's ever held. It's enough power to destroy the world um, as he's just like looking at this crystal ball. And then he starts mumbling to himself the thing that the Aiel say about fighting the Dark One before, um, I forget who, like, somebody grabs him and has to pull him physically back. I think it's Celine. Okay. Before he, like, breaks out of this. And everybody's like, what are you doing? And he said, I was just, I don't know, what was I doing? And they're like, you were just staring at the crystal ball, and then you started to mumble. I was just gonna spit in Sight Blinder's eye. Yeah. Just, you know, fight till the last day. So they make their way down to the village. Um, Celine tries to tempt him one last time and is rebuffed. And then she gets pretty upset for the rest of this section, which is just one last chapter. Uh, 21, the nine rings. Yeah. In the right before they talk about like the nine rings, the chapter Mm -hmm. Rand describes the tavern. He says nine rings had been one of his favorite adventure stories when he was a boy. He supposed it still was. Uh, is this a meta joke about the Lord of the Rings? I think it's supposed to be like a Lord of the Rings reference, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> it seems kind of obvious. Like, hey, guess what I was inspired by? <laughs> well, not that it's much. literally a story Rand likes. Yeah. I like it. So they arrive at the inn. Celine is upset. And Rand is doing a poor job of imitating a lord because he lets Huron speak (laughs) and he lets him eat at their table. Disrespect me, my lord. Yeah. And so after the meal, Rand gets the flute out and starts to play some songs. Also not very lordly. No, he's like specifically choosing song. A, a lord wouldn't play the flute. B, he is specifically choosing non-lordly songs. And I just wrote in here, I love that you can, like, almost hear the song playing when you're reading the lyrics that Jordan has written. Uh, I don't know if that's just me. I can't. I can. (laughs) Like, I can hear the music in my head. Sing for us. Well, sucks to be. Tyler. What? Are you about to sing? Tyler, sing for us. I'm, sing. I, I'm not going sing. to sing. Sing. No. Sing. sing. If you subscribe to our Patreon at the $1,000 a month level. <laughs> sing. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> this is an audio medium, Tyler. Maybe another day. I think I've sung on the podcast unintentionally because I just was referencing a song or something. Yeah, but this would be intentional. Uh, in, the last, in the last episode, I think you sang A Whole New World at the end. Yeah, yeah. See, I sang. <laughs> you gotta sing. I don't think that's Maybe true. Maybe somebody will comment on Twitter about you then. Oh, um, yeah, I bet they would, but not, not in a positive way. Maybe one day, I will sing. Anyway... Rand sits and talks with the captain of the guards that are also in this common room for just a moment before Celine gets up and leaves. And then Rand continues the conversation. We learn some more about the statue. It is massive, like theoretically one continuous thing. And it is from the Age of Legends. 
the plan is to excavate it and then bring it to Kyrian as a, like, hey, look how cool we are. We've got this big statue. Respect us. Respect the statue, dog. Rand and his retinue retire for the night, and then in the morning they find that Selene has left. Uh, she left Rand a note with a moon and some stars as the seal. Find me when you're glorious. Yeah. Uh, she's gone on ahead. She, uh, I'm so sorry. Rand gets the other two and they head off to Kyrian with their escort of soldiers. Cause he's a lord. We're about to spend some time on lordly business. Yeah, great. This is such a fun section we're coming up on. I love it. But speaking of which, we're done with this section. Awesome. Whoa. <laughs> I just, you know me, I don't really love Rand chapters. Well, this, this was a lot of Rand chapters. This was a lot of Rand chapters. It was, it was pretty much all Rand chapters. And it's all Rand doing things where he was like, I'm not gonna do it. And then he You're did You're gonna it. like book three then. Yeah. Book three is 3% Rand perspective. Beautiful. I don't even, I don't even know which part of the book is in Rand's perspective. Oh, you know what? I totally do. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like- Half a chapter, three times. Is it describing strange sword names? No. Or talking about ladies? I don't think there's any sword names in that book. Maybe. But not from him. Um, so we'll get there. Yeah. What I want to know right now, now yes. that you've seen a bit more of quote-unquote Lord Rand, uh-huh. is if you remember I mentioned that in the first four books... Like mm-hmm. Rand, and in fact, in book five, as so the more I read, Rand is like five different characters. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing what I mean, at least in this book so far? That like... He performs the role they think they want him to be? Well, he's just like completely... I mean, he's not he's not a completely different character, but you see what I mean, right? Like in the first book, he's this dumb farm boy. And in this section, he's kind of a dumb farm boy because of Selene. But he's also acting as like... A lord, he is giving commands. A leader. Yeah. But he's not, like, super great at it. He just... I just think it's interesting. He's just trying out these roles, you know? Well, that, like, until he settles into it in books five and onwards, he is, like, constantly changing as these events grow larger in scale. The pattern. Yeah, there's actually a part in this section that... I had a note on that we skipped where Rand is talking about how Loyal and Huron were like losing their morale, but he had to act confident or else everything would fall apart because he's the Lord. Mm -hmm. And me reading book four, that makes me feel a bit more sympathy for what Rand is trying to do in that book. Yeah. You should always feel sympathy for Rand. He, I don't. He's have. He's going through a tough time. You can sympathize without feeling any drop of empathy. You can be like, "Yeah, that sucks," but you don't have to be like, "I really appreciate Rand." You appreciate <laughs> Rand's struggle. I I really feel for him. You can just be like, "Wow, that's kind of awful." Sucks to suck, dude. Oops. So you know, Rand. Next week we will be reading some chapters. 22 post-recorded chapters here no i can just tell you um 22 through 
let's do, let's finish 27. So chapters 22 to 27. Okay. Will be the next, uh, next recording. That's good. Cause it's going to be week seven of school. Yeah. I think we've been shortening our sections a little bit. Uh, I have so. been trying to keep it consistent at the same number of pages for the last couple. Um, yeah. If either of you feel like you want to do more per week. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially because I want to do National Novel Writing Month. I don't think. Oh. Yeah. Last year was my most successful, I think. I think I wrote about 11,000 words, but this, this year is the goal to do the, the full 50,000. Well, I don't know that we will be done before. Oh, yeah, we definitely won't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, That's why I appreciate this. We're going to finish this whole series in the next four days. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I think we have, I mean, depending on how we do this, we have like four or five sections left in this book. It just kind of depends on how we want to split the last one. Because we can do, like, one mega episode at the end that covers, like, twice as much material. Or we can do two that are both smaller than normal. Two smaller than normal because we end up talking about stuff anyways. Maybe. Like, this one was a short chapter, but we ended up talking lots. Well, we're at, like, an hour 40 on the recording. I guess it just feels like lots. Anyway, as an individual, I like shorter episodes. I presume we're about to cut back into reality. Snap back to reality. Oops, there goes gravity. What? That's probably a song. I don't know. It is. Let's finish the episode. Okay. Um, So we're going to be reading chapters 21. I'm sorry. Dang it. 22 through 27 uh, next week. Uh, Sounds good. Jesse, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at at Wheel Reading. I hate that Twitter names use at, but that's our Twitter name. It'll be in the description as usual. Uh, we love hearing from anyone who's listening. Reach out to us on Twitter or leave a review on any of the podcast sites. Uh, listener engagement feels great. Yeah. Love hearing people thoughts about the content so it is really really lovely so thank you people continue (laughs) okay cool well this has been the third wheel uh i'm tyler i'm beyond and i'm jesse and we'll see you next time thanks everyone thank you